But if you can perform beyond exponential and it's not ludicrous, you know, incredible, amazing, undoable, it's a mathematically proven reality, you should never, ever allow yourself to operate in the incremental zone in anything you do. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you Jay Abraham. When I was a Division I All-American athlete, I was hyper-focused and I was able to take consistent action that allowed me to be one of the best in the country at what I did. Well, for years after I was done competing, I just struggled to stay focused on my goals day in and day out. I was easily distracted, so I wasn't able to stay consistent, the kind of consistency that you need to have to achieve goals that are meaningful to you. It was discouraging for me. I felt like I was just slipping kind of into mediocrity. Then after interviewing some of the highest performers in the world, Olympians, CEOs, billionaires, best-selling authors, I discovered how they do it. I discovered 18 powerful and sometimes weird tactics that they use to stay focused at work, focused on the right things while also living a balanced life. And if you start using probably just three of these today, you're going to get more done in the next eight hours. I promise. This is not tomorrow, not next week. These will work today. I guarantee it. It's like magic, but they're real world solutions to it. People like you and me want the ability to stay focused, avoid distraction and be consistent. I use at least four of them every day and have used all of them at some point. Now I'm able to stay focused while I'm at work and get probably 50 to hundred percent more done each day. I'm more present when I'm home with my wife and four kids. And the result is I have a stronger relationship with my family And I'm still able to achieve incredible goals like being selected to give a TEDx talk at one of the biggest TED events in the world, like launching a podcast and talking to A-list guests and running a half marathon, all of this while having a full-time job that includes frequent travel, working nights and weekends and all that good stuff. So you're going to find solutions on this list that are going to surprise you. Grab your copy of the 18 Tactics to Staying Focused at Work. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash focus. That's jimharshawjr.com slash focus. Jay Abraham is one of the most well-known, one of the most successful business and executive coaches in the world. He helps underperforming businesses, but that's not why I had him on the show. I've had him on the show so that he could talk about exponential thinking, geometric thinking, as opposed to linear thinking. You know, when you go back and listen to my episode 246 and 247 with Tim Ferriss, uh, yet another world-class performer, he talks about getting outsized results. There are certain strategies, certain ways of thinking that these world-class performers use and implement in order to get outsized results, to get exponential or geometric results. Jay has this uncanny ability to increase business income and wealth and success by looking at situations just from totally different perspectives, totally different paradigms. And he uncovers assets and opportunities and you know undervalued possibilities for his clients. And he just has this pattern of thinking that is exponential. So that's why we that's what we talk about on the show today. And before we get into that, go ahead and take a screenshot of this episode. If you're listening to this on your phone, take a screenshot, 
post it to Instagram and tag me or post it to Twitter and tag me. I look forward to continuing this conversation over there. Look forward to interacting with you there. Also, by the way, you know, you can listen to this on your smart speaker. Just say, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play the Success Through Failure podcast. And lastly, go ahead and download the action plan. Get the action plan from this episode. You'll also get access to all kinds of other resources, but you can get the notes and quotes and links and everything from this episode if you go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. All right, let's get to my interview with Jay Abraham. A lot of folks are stuck in linear thinking. Like you've been successful in your life, in your career. You were, you know, one of the best, if not the best executive coaches, business coaches in the world. And what you do is you help people and business owners, entrepreneurs think exponentially versus linearly. First of all, what is the difference between linear thinking and exponential thinking? Well, in performance, it's everything, Jim. You do something one way, you get X result. You do it another, same time or less, same opportunity or less, same resources or less, same energy or less, same capital, human capital, intellectual capital or less, and it can produce multiples of X now and residual later. And when you have that kind of upside potential and you could introduce it to another industry that had never known it before and the first to do it just exploded. But exponential performance is getting multiple times more current and residual strategic yield out of everything you do, everyone you do it with, every way you do it, if you're in any kind of an activity where you use the phone to sell, to close, set appointments, follow up, reactivate, do anything that has to do with any facet of your business or career, you use the phone. And I said, but here's a really interesting phenomenon. 90% of the people who use the phone seem to be shocked when they get a voicemail or a gatekeeper when in fact, Jim, probability outcome, you're going to say 95%, you're going to get a voicemail or gatekeeper. And I'll go, uh, uh, Jim, Jim, it's uh, J-Ram trying to uh, get on your podcast. Uh, call me back. It's not very memorable, not very impactive, not very provocative or evocative. Whereas if I expect to get a voicemail or a gatekeeper, and I have prepared a very strategic, provocative, and evocative message, that I am going to leave the statistical probability of the outcome I want is multiplied exponentially. Conversely, if I don't get a response, but I understand how to leave meaningful messaging, I am actually having a dialogue, a continuous conversation with that person, and I leave progressive ones. It's only a matter of time if you have value and that value is conveyable through your messaging, that you will evoke a response. And it's very high probability if you do it right, you will evoke a response that transforms or translates or converts to whatever the economic goal you're after. That's sort of a simple explanation of the difference between geometric exponential growth and linear or linear actions. Because most people are in the linear zone. They really operate. I believe, Jim. Nobody should ever operate in the incremental zone if the same time, effort, opportunity, capital, or less could produce exponential current and residual yield. But most people just don't know how to do it. 
And for the listener, I want you to think about, if you go back to episode 246, 247, if you haven't listened to those, by the way, for the listener, check them out. That's with Tim Ferriss. But he talked about getting outsized results. So we're talking with another world-class performer, one of the best in the world at what he does. And this is the type of thinking that he does. And so, Jay, I want to ask you, like, what is an example that you've actually seen or done or used, maybe some story with a business client or otherwise that you were, you've helped them go from linear to exponential or linear to geometric. And, and I want to share with you one example of, of something that you taught me about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago that you don't even know this, but after, you know, reading some of your stuff and listening to some of your interviews, I, I use the tactic that you shared about, you said, who else benefits when your customer benefits or who else benefits when you benefit. And so I, I was doing these webinars and on a consistent basis, I was just getting about 25 people really small. And I said, okay, well, what if I partner with this brand who serves the same market? And, and I say, hey, you can be a sponsor. And they have about 50,000 people on their email list. I said, you can be a sponsor. All you have to do is promote it. They said, hell yeah, of course. Like, why not? Right? It's not going to cost us any money. I'll promote it and you promote it. And I said, I'm also going to get this expert, this industry expert, and bring them on. And they're going to promote it to their big list and your big list and my big list. And we're all going to benefit. And everybody was a, a hell yeah. And we all won, and, and I 10x the attendees was went from 25 to about almost 300, so more than 10x. That's a great example. Well, this is a great story, and it shows strategy over tactics, but it's an older story, but it's very powerful for people. So I had two friends, and they both were interested in an emerging category a couple of years ago, cubic zirconium, which is artificial diamond, simulated diamonds. One of them was a brilliant copywriter, but he was totally tactical. The other was a good copywriter, but not as good, but he was very strategic. The first copywriter got excited about cubic zirconium, which are really very interesting uh, simulated diamonds that look almost better than a diamond. And he wrote a great ad he ran in the front page of a section of the Los Angeles Times years ago when it was very, very popular. He created a, a business model. He called it the Beverly Hills Diamond Company, and he created the Beverly Hills Diamond, and he sold a $39.95, one carat loose stone. And he was a tactical guy who was used to selling something, making more money than he spent, and then doing it again and again. And his ad brought, he spent 25 grand, it brought in about 48,000. He made about, after all expenses, refunds, credit card discounts, about seven grand. And it wasn't enough to excite him, so he quit. The other friend was not as good of a copywriter, but he was a brilliant strategist. This goes to geometric thinking, exponential thinking. He created his own ad and he created a company. It was really laughable. He called it Van Plis and Tiffany, which was a laughable take on Van Cleef and Arpel and Tiffany's. And he created the Van Plis diamond, which was his equivalent of the same kind of loose one carat stone. And he wrote an ad and he ran it for 25 grand, but he wasn't as good a copywriter, but he was a brilliant strategist versus the other person who was a very linear, tactical-minded person. So friend two, the strategic genius, he ran an ad, cost him 25 grand. His ad didn't even make money. It lost about four grand. But instead of getting exasperated and quitting, he did something very different. Friend one, the tactical person, just took his little stone, threw it in an ugly little bubble package and sent it out with a little note. Here's your uh, one carat stone. Friend two took his, put it in a simulated jeweler's bag, velvet, put that in a simulated wood box, put that in a very large protected 
envelope with two documents. One was a letter. The letter said, uh, as CEO, thank you so much for having blind faith in us. We really appreciate it. Before you take your one carat Van Plus diamond out of the jeweler's bag, I wanted to tell you, you're going to be stunned. It's going to be more beautiful, more dazzling, more electric, more fiery, more breathtaking than you ever imagined. However, it might seem smaller than you imagine. It's not because we cheated you, but in order to get this incredible beauty and spectacle out of it, we have to make it denser, heavier per you know millimeter. So when people see this, they frequently come back to us and ask us if they can purchase five 10 carat stones that they can take to their jeweler to set into rings and necklaces and earrings and pendants. And we found that when they do that, the jewelers charge them an arm and a leg. And we are also manufacturing jewelers. So we have taken the liberty of creating some magnificent 18, 14, and even 22 karat gold jewelry, earrings, necklaces, rings, bracelets, where we've put five 10 karat stones in them. And you will see them in the catalog that is enclosed. And they're priced at what we know to be at least 50% less than a reputable jeweler would charge you. We won't even consider your purchase binding on your part until and unless you've taken the stone in the setting to a jeweler and asked them what they would charge you to produce another version. And if it's not twice as much, we won't keep your money. But also in recognition of your blind faith, we want to reward you. And if you'd like to exchange your loose stone for something bigger and better that's set. We'll give you double credit. We've included in this envelope a pre-addressed postage prepaid return package you can put it in. Friend one, who was really a great copywriter, but totally tactical, Jim, made $7,000 upfront and quit because it wasn't enough. Friend two, who was not a great copywriter, but was a brilliant strategist, lost 4,000 and in year one made 25 million. So that's sort of the, and I could give you lots more, but does that give you a little bit of a context? Yeah, absolutely. So in that story, failure was part of the success, right? Well, he thought beyond the linear thinking. He saw the, the first time buyer as the lead, not as the end result. He saw them as the beginning, not the end. And it's a way of thinking. I mean, if you operate exponentially, it has to do with the actions you take, the mindset you have. And it's a little bit tricky because most people don't have the experiential swath. They don't have the actual understanding of alternative realities. The key to exponential thinking is what's called optimization. Getting the highest and best use, Jim, of time, effort, money, access, interaction, but you can't optimize until and unless you have a reasonable understanding of the alternatives available and how they perform. And that doesn't happen if you are basically linear in your scope of understanding. I got very blessed. I've been involved in over a thousand industries, not, not businesses, industries. When you look at a thousand industries, you see hundreds of different ways to be strategic, hundreds of different ways to sell hundreds of different ways to create a monetization or a revenue model, hundreds of different ways to target an audience, hundreds of different ways to attract somebody, convert somebody, resell somebody, monetize it when you have nothing else to sell. 
hundreds of different ways, believe it or not, to monetize unsold prospect, hundreds of different ways to monetize distribution, hundreds of different ways to use the goodwill and the distribution channel and the affinity and the trust you've got. But most people, if all they know is what they know, it's the equivalent of a carpenter, hammer, and nail. What about for the person who doesn't own a business? Are there ways to use this kind of thinking, you know, bringing value to other people, looking at maybe what their boss wants or the boss in the other company or the other division wants? I mean, are there ways to leverage this kind of thinking for career growth and and personal growth? There's a number of ways, and I'll try to throw out just a sort of a Rorschach first-time knee-jerk response. So the first thing is there are a lot of soft skills that most people aren't aware of that have been measured to produce increases in performance and outcomes by up to 300% each one, each one, not total. One is trust building. Most people think that they, uh, in whatever they do, they enjoy command, great trust with the other side. And oftentimes the trust that they enjoy is flawed trust. Stephen M. R. Covey, the son of the late Stephen R. Covey, the guy that came up with the seven habits of highly effective people, developed world-class understanding on trust building in the business application. And he found that there's 13 different characteristics. If you harness and incorporate them, they can improve your performance over 300%. Your performance can be if you're selling, how, how many people buy from you. If you're reselling, how many people keep buying from you. If you manage, how many people basically follow you. If you're part of a a department, how collaborative people are. And that's one thing. The next is a woman named Sally Hogshead. She's done a lot of work. Originally, it was on how to be fascinating, but she evolved it to how you are seen by others. And she's done research, very, very fascinating research that if you're seen in a certain way, again, up to 300% more impact. And that's 300% on top of the other 300%. Roger Love did it on how you are heard tonality, inflection. Uh, There's another school on how to listen. Most people don't know how to listen and how to show other people that they have been heard. We've got a book almost done. It's called Relevancy Rules. It's a little double entendre. It's all about the rules for being relevant and that most people don't understand, Jim, that almost everything in our life today, personal business, entrepreneurship, selling, career flows from the font of relevancy, but most people understand all the dynamics, all the factors, all the impact forces and elements that are positive or negative and why certain things, certain people are relevant and certain aren't and how to get out of being irrelevant. And it goes from everything from networks, not networking, but all the different uh, networks that you have and how to really manage them. We have another category we've studied. It's called access denied. What If you can assess that you're not getting the results you want, the respect you want, it's different than relevancy. There are denominators in it. I can go on and on and on, but you probably know that I've known worldwide, and this is not arrogant, it's clinical, for having developed the strategy of preeminence. When you are preeminent, even as an employee, you gain stature, you stand out above the maddening crowd. You can be preeminent by many, many different ways. The first is putting into words what the other people you are interacting with, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a salesperson, whether you're 
a manager, whether you are uh, a team member trying to have impact either with others or move up the promotion chain, if you can articulate what the people you're dealing with want to get closer to or away from, and they see you being able to express in words what they've never really got clarity on, you own Mindshare. And owning Mindshare is the first, I can go on and on. Yeah, absolutely. So for the listener, like when you think of it, like what, what Jay just said there, like when you can understand something as good or better than whether it's the person you're you're selling something to, a widget or your boss or the next potential boss or the students in your classroom or the athletes on your team, when you understand their thinking, when you understand something as good or better than they do, then you own Mindshare, right? And, and, and you're able to have influence. There's an extension of this, which probably I should address, and that's value creation. Most people do not have a clue what true value means to the other side. And the other side is, uh, it could be if you're selling to the people you're selling to, whether you're a salesperson, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether it's advertising, marketing, if you're managing people, what their values are, if you are managed by people, what the people above you and below you and alongside you, and until you are in alignment. So we try to get people, no matter what we do, even if it's just benevolent sort of ad hoc pro bono that I do to help people, is to start by examining, exploring, understanding, evaluating, recognizing, appreciating, acknowledging, and understanding how everyone else sees life. We used to do very expensive seminars, and I wanted to make an object lesson in this. And so after about the second day when I had their trust, I would purposely come in late. And I would apologize profoundly and say, guys and girls, I'm sorry, but I just saw the most stunning woman in the lobby, and she captivated my mind and my attention for far too long, and I'm so sorry. And then I'd go on for a couple hours, and then I'd track back to it, and I'd say, remember when I said the most stunning woman I'd ever seen. So I ran around the room and I asked men, women alike, what had come to mind. It was very fascinating. For some, it was anatomically denominated. For some, it was ethnicity. For some, it was dress. These are leverage points. These are other ways. This has nothing to do actually with what I do in my day job, but because you have a broad spectrum of people that aren't just entrepreneurs, this might be very helpful for them to reflect upon. Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now back to the show. So the core focus here, and I know this is part of who you are and how you operate and how you bring value to so many people, Jay, is you're not focusing on you, you're focusing on them. You're focusing on them first, bringing them value, getting inside their head. How can I help? How can I serve? Am I right? Yeah. And just for simplicity, it's called the you attitude. It's not about me. You don't care. I mean, human beings, good or bad, we're self-consumed. It's all about us. We can be benevolent. We can be charitable. We can be empathic. But when it comes right down to it, we're very self-serving and there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with that is not recognizing that and dealing with that. And people need, what's the benefit to me? What's the advantage to me? What's the reason why? And you ask a question, how do I grow my career? 
Well, the other side has to see the reason why they choose you over somebody else, the reason why you are going to benefit them. Why does somebody promote somebody else? Well, it's because that person promoting you believes you will enhance that person's job role, their performance, their department, isn't it? They believe you will do a better job of managing people and getting productivity out of them. You will do a better job of retaining people, whatever it is. We did a book, one of them maybe that you read, and in, in, it, in the early chapter, it said, when somebody goes to a hardware store to buy a drill, Jim, they don't want a drill. They want a hole, and they don't even want a hole. They want to fasten something, and they don't even want to fasten something. They want to watch their big screen TV tonight, or they want to get water coming out of a, a sink, or they want to open a door. And do you remember the quote about uh, Wayne Gretzky, the hockey great? He didn't go to where the hockey puck was hit. He went to where he knew it would end up. I, I've never heard that analogy of when, you know, somebody who buys the drill, they're not really looking for a drill bit. They're looking to watch TV on their big screen TV, right? You're going to the end point and really getting to the core of what people want. It's very universal. I, I've been very blessed to learn universal principles that you can torque down or you can leverage up and they work predictably, consistently. You just have to understand what motivates everyone else, not you. because what motivates you is not really the key to achieving outcomes. It's getting other people to really buy in, you know, uh, be on your mission in crusade, isn't it? That's it. Jay, I want to go back to something you said earlier. You said you believe that there, or you know that there's the ability to perform beyond exponential. So performance beyond exponential. What is it and how is it possible? Because we're all sitting on the edge of our seats. We want to know. Started out with my life work. Every year or so, I would come up with one new category of geometric profit growth. I always looked at bottom line rather than top because it was always easier to create for entrepreneurs. And after uh, many years of doing this, decades in fact, I had 30 categories, more than 30, that I'd created each one separately, not together, but separately had the capacity to produce geometric profit improvement for the business, any one of them. And I used to think, well, what is geometry on geometry on geometry? It's got to be something. And I was such a dinglehead, I never looked it up. Finally, years later, I went, you know, sitting around, I go to Google, I look up whatever, and I can't remember how I articulated it. Lo and behold, mathematically, it is an absolute acknowledged given, anybody who's a mathematician, there are five gradients in performance above and beyond exponentiality. It's called hyper-operationalizing, and it's heptation, hexation, pentation, octation. I can't remember the other tation. There's five of them. And if you look at mathematically, it doesn't even calculate. The zeros are so high, but it mathematically is given. You can take performance way, 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 way mathematically beyond exponential. So if that is true, and most people basically accept incremental performance, incremental gain, incremental impact, incremental expenditure of their time. And you could ask me to talk a little bit about greatness because that's another thing we did a lot of work on. You don't have to, but it uh, coincides. But if you can perform beyond exponential and it's not ludicrous, you know, incredible, uh, amazing, undoable, it's a mathematically proven reality, 
you should never, ever allow yourself to operate in the incremental zone in anything you do. Okay, I've done a lot of work on this. I believe that every human being that is not afflicted with birth defect or mental compromise is inherently programmed in their DNA to want to be great. We want to be a great entrepreneur, great salesperson, a great manager, a great career person, a great husband, wife, father, mother, significant other, lover. You know, you want to be a great golfer. You want to be a great this. And yet, and yet, in almost every one of those facets, most people are mediocre. And the question belies, why would someone spend a whole life in mediocrity if they inherently in their being want to be great in all these? I've got three answers, which I'll share very quickly because it's pretty liberating. The first is nobody ever shows you what greatness is supposed to look like, feel like, function like, manifest like in any of those categories. So you have no reference. So you don't know what greatness as a partner is, what greatness as a parent is, what greatness as a vibrant, viable, ever contributing human being is, what greatness is in anything. So the first thing is you got to get a picture of what it is in each category relative to your mind, your message, your performance, the market, how you validate it. And that's very, 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 very infrequently done. Second is if you get that far, now you got to calibrate. If you know, here's what it's supposed to look like, then you got to decide where are you in every or any category on the totem pole. Now you got this big gap. How do you get there? If you don't know paths that are safe, then the first time you try to achieve it, it's going to be very much like a baby trying to walk, talk, eat, speak, poop, ride a bike. They're going to be terrible and you're going to retreat back to status quo. So you need to have the safest path of progression. And then you need someone, someone like yourself, someone like myself, or just a colleague to hold you to a higher standard, just like a parent in that you know, baby situation is, you know, there's their champion. They believe in them. So the first thing is opening yourself up and traveling outside your comfort zone to understand and explore how much more is possible from everything you do, every way you can do it, every one you do it with. It's just a very much more glorious state of possibility that you've always had. And this is interesting. I believe that 2% of what happens to us in our life are acts of God. They're things we have no control of. COVID, you know, fires in California, earthquakes, all kinds of horrific tragedies. But 98% of what happens to us are results of decisions we make or don't make, questions we ask or don't ask, actions we take or don't take, and forces, elements, principles, laws, not laws meaning legal, they could be legal, but laws of conduct, action, uh, that we either harness or we let whipsaw us. And it comes down really to quantum physics. We expand or we contract, we grow or we die, we multiply or we diminish. And that has enormous implications, even though it sounds very abstract. Yeah, that's incredible. I love love getting inside of your head, Jay, and, and, and understanding the thinking that has brought you the level of success that, that you have had and your customers and clients have had. 
Now, how about failure? I mean, can you tell us about a time when you failed? Because a guy like you, we look at you and we go, man, you know, Jay's traveled around the world multiple times. He's, you know, shared the stage with Tony Robbins and, and all the other big names out there. Was there a time when you failed? I mean, is there a time when you felt that self-doubt and that hopelessness that comes from failure? And, and how were you able to move through that? Sure. But it's not one. I probably have 20. So the first failure that was really heartbreaking is that I got married at 18 and we had no money and we got married at a, at a justice of the peace. And on the way home, we were in the middle of a three car pile up and the, the tow truck brought the car and my wife and I to my parents so we could have our honeymoon in my bedroom because we had no money after I saved money. And we finally moved into our first very, very, very meager apartment with my then pregnant wife. I had one car that was a very beat up used one. I was able to save to buy to replace the one that was total because I didn't have good insurance. And I had a job where I had to take three buses to go to work. And it was a terribly, I mean, I just made enough to pay the rent in our new apartment. And the first day we moved in, I got fired and was too embarrassed. And I basically took the last bus because I didn't want to, I was too ashamed to tell my wife. Then one time, not far from that, when I got a new job and I was barely bringing home enough to pay the rent, I left the car open, unlocked, and somebody stole the car seat and I cried because I couldn't afford a new one. Then later on, I realized that if I could basically study under high-performance entrepreneurs, that would long-term pay off, but I had to work nights and my wife basically started hating me because I'd be all day sitting in entrepreneurs' offices that didn't pay me at all night. And it was just so painful. I uh, remember one time I moved to Dallas, Texas to take what was supposed to be the dream job and I didn't do due diligence. I bought a house and literally within six months, the company went broke. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a penny. I had to take a job in Tulsa where I drove every Monday morning and stay in a terrible hotel that didn't even have a phone. And I got enough every day to eat either a little jar of peanut butter or a macaroni and cheese loaf. That was my one meal of the day. You know, I can go on. I had lots of those, but you realize it's very important. You realize the following. The world doesn't care either way. They don't care if you're down for the count and you give up. They don't care if you dust yourself off, jump ring and come back, not with a vengeance, but even more formidable and more powerful. The only, only one that cares is you. I mean, the ones that love you. And when you realize that you're not held down, then yesterday doesn't matter and you can't rewind, but you can reset. You know, it was very painful for me, but every one of those was not just a challenge. It was an experience that helped me forge my tensile strength. And we all are stronger than we think. We're all more resilient than you think. The world isn't going to collapse. I mean, COVID is a really horrific time, and that's brought some horrific and really tragic you know, things upon people, families, lives. But in the majority of things, we have a lot more control over our destiny. I talked about decisions. I mean, everything in your life is about the decisions you make, the better decision so you make, I have a good friend who's a decision scientist and he teaches corporations how most of the decisions they make are either flawed, suboptimal, minimal instead of maximum. In our lives, it's the same thing. Everything that happens are because of the decisions we make, aren't they? Absolutely. I believe the decisions that we make and the mindset that we have and the thoughts that we carry 
affect everything. We haven't even talked about exponential performance in the business because you got the three ways to grow a business. You got the power of Parthenon, you got the nine drivers, you got the sticking points, you got all these things, each one of which gives your business performance massive upside, unimaginable performance enhancement. But I've just been talking about more general things that apply to anybody's life. Maybe there's a round two in the making here, Jay. This has been incredible. I appreciate your time. appreciate your insights. I appreciate the value that you've brought me over the years from afar, from reading what your, your writings and your articles and listening to your interviews. It's been absolutely incredible. So great to have you on the show, Jay. Where can the listeners find you, follow you, buy your books, learn more about you, et cetera? They don't need to buy the books. We have lots of ways to do it. We've got a, a site called abraham.com that has... Jesus, I don't know, 800 resources. It gives away. And if you want to give us an opt-in, you can. It isn't even mandatory. We've got another one that's got modest price stuff for smaller businesses called jabraham.com, the Abraham University. If anyone's big enough to talk about uh, things, they can write to jay at abraham.com. I've got a podcast called The Ultimate Entrepreneur, which has got, I don't know, 280 different episodes and none of them sell anything. They're just very qualitative. And there's plenty of people out there that's giving my stuff away without my permission. So I do a search and you'll find a lot out there, Jim. Yeah, excellent. So for the listener, we'll have all that in the action plan. As always, go to jimharshowjr.com slash action. We'll have the links, quotes, notes, everything from this episode. Jay, thank you so much. You're very welcome. I hope it had value. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app. If you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.